0: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. The Center for Equitable Library Access introduced its Connect software earlier this year. The software is designed to load books onto the Envoy audio Connect Envoy Connect audio player. Come on, Dave. You're a professional broadcaster. You can do this. Karen McKay is the communications manager at CELA and can offer a little more insights on how to get your hands on some of these neat audio players. Hey, good morning, Karen. Good morning, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you too. So Karen, I think process is important here because I know you came on to talk a little bit about the uh, Envoy player earlier in the year, but what's the process here for a client if they wanna try to utilize this technology along with the software?
1: So you can purchase the um, the player through retailers like Smart Life at CNIB. And then our service is that we will load books onto this player for you. You can either do that through our software, which we call Sela Connect, or you can send it to, uh, to us and we will load the player and then and send it back to you. So we've just launched a new service that uh, relates to this. And we can now, if you purchase a, a player, a Envoy Connect, we can now send it to you preloaded. So your very first round of books is ready to read right out of the box. Oh, awesome. So there's not the setup. Yeah. So this is particularly interesting for folks who are maybe um, a little bit tech shy or, uh, you know, aren't quite sure how they're going to manage this. And, And so we sort of take, the you know, that barrier out of the way, the first one about getting all set up. Um, And the really great thing is that there's no additional cost for this so whether you buy the player and have it come to you ready to read or whether you buy it and you want to do this setup on your own because you like that kind of thing, um, it's all the same price, which is great and it's a low price it's only $97 which makes it really accessible. Karen,
0: that is music to my ears. I was just telling a story earlier in the show today about uh, pulling out a soundbar. I bought a soundbar on Black Friday, and I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm going to plug it into the HDMI uh, port on my TV, and we're going to have beautiful sound. And then I looked at the installation manual, and I was like, we're going to need to bring in some assistance here. So I love that that sort of you and Sela and Smart Life have, have sort of thought this through and said, how can we make this easier for somebody who's not particularly tech savvy? That, like, that is music to my ears. What a great idea.
1: Well, the whole idea behind this player is that it's um, that's a low barrier to entry for folks who want to use a, a player, not one of their sort of their big daisy players. It's low cost, it's portable, it's easy to use. You can charge it with a, a solar panel on the back if you're out on the go. Um, and it's just really, it's a great entry for folks who are either just sort of starting to need this kind of player or alternatively, people that have relied on other forms like CDs or, or Braille, for example, and they want an audio player uh, that they can download directly this stuff is really easy to work with and so you know it would also be a really great Christmas gift if you know somebody that could use something like this and Mm. it's you know only $97 so that makes it easier to buy
0: Karen one last question on process and then I promise we can get to literary news but I'm just so interested by this technology and the way somebody could use it how much variety can be loaded onto the Envoy player like how much access to your overall library can be included in the player and how many titles can it hold
1: so if you send it to to us to load, we'll load 12 titles for you. If you use our Sela Connect software, it holds up to eight gig. So depending on the size, eight mega gig rather. So depending on the size of the um of the books that you're using, you know, you you could load. Plenty, like you could have your month's worth of reading very easily or, or maybe longer, depending on how much you read. Uh, and it's very easy to use with the Scylla Connect software and your your um, Scylla Bookshelf. So the process is really simplified, again, just because we want folks to be able to to use this player.
0: Oh. Fantastic stuff, Karen, and, and we'll share the uh, the website as well as the, uh, the the social media handle at the end of the segment if folks uh, do want to learn more. But what a what a really Great. cool idea! And like you said, could be a fantastic, fantastic gift. Speaking of an opportunity to maybe offer up a couple gifts this year, the gift of literature always goes a long way. You might want to consider some of the winners from this year's Writers Trust Awards. One winner was Anuja Varghese; their book, *The Chrysalis*, received the LGBT q 2s Plus Award for Emerging Writers. And Karen, you've spotlighted this book a number of times on the show, but there were a few more that you wanted to share. And even this one strikes me as familiar. Kai Thomas winning the Atwood Gibson Writers Trust Fiction Prize for his book In the Upper County. Why do you think this book stood out?
1: Uh, so I'm just going to read a little bit of what the jury said, and I think this really encapsulates why this book stands out and why it's such an important read. Uh, so they said, in this exceptional debut, Kai Thomas deftly and compassionately braids deep, uh, deeply engrossing stories with stories that explore a little-known aspect of Canadian history. It's a mesmerizing lyrical testament to the power of storytelling. Uh, as this is among the protagonists' tools for survival in a harsh reality with violence and dehumanization. So this book, and we have talked about this one a little bit before as well, this book really weaves together stories of uh, the Indigenous populations in Canada and the uh, the Black folks that were coming in on the Underground Railroad. And so the, um, the book really does this deftly, and it's not something that we... Uh, we talk about or know about or read about much. So I think this is sort of a unique take on some Canadian history. So I'll just give you a brief overview of what the book is about. There are two characters. Uh, One character is a young Black woman. She was enslaved. She flees the uh, enslavement in the American South. And she ends up working for a Black journalist here in Canada. And she's been taught how to read and write uh, by an elderly neighbour. So she's able to to do that work. One night, a neighbouring farm summons this young woman after a slave hunter has been shot dead in the land by an older woman who's recently arrived via the Underground Railroad. And when the older woman refuses to flee before the authorities uh, arrive, the farmer asks Lucinda to gather testimony from her so that she can, you know, before she can be condemned for her crime. The old woman, though, she doesn't want to confess. She starts to have this conversation with the young Lucinda about um, her life and Lucinda's life. and, And they begin this sort of extraordinary Exchange about Black history and it inter is interwoven with Indigenous people. Uh, it's really an enlightening book. It's it's a it's a lovely story. It's a powerful story. Uh, if you you know if you like to think about things like the stories that are not told in our history, which are mostly women's stories, I think this is would be an important book to read. Uh, it also you know we, we get some insight into what life might have been like in the Underground Railroad and the 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 trip from, you know, the deep south into Canada. Uh, I think that we really, I think this book was well chosen to be the winner because it it delves into a number of themes that are really topical, but it's also just incredibly beautifully written.
0: I think a bit of perspective on inclusion also related to the award, uh, the Hilary Weston Award for nonfiction. Uh, Christina Sharp taking that one home for Ordinary Notes. Why do you think that one stood out to the jury members?
1: So this is a really inventive book. Um, it's not written as a, you know, a, in typical prose style. It's written as a series of small notes. And it really takes us into the the life of uh, a, a Black person who um, has to navigate both, you know, large life-affirming uh, events, but also small microaggressions and uh, racism And so this is really... uh... Again, it's a it's an important book. the The jury said about this one, with tenderness, bravery, and razor sharp poetic language, Christina Sharp invites the reader to witness the ordinary joys and sorrows of Black lives, and how they're transformed within the everyday reality of systems of racial supremacy. In doing so, she creates a new narrative uh, space that is at once both intimate, deeply informed, and also uncompromising. And so, again, I think this book really speaks to um, understanding that the day to day experiences in the construct of racism it's got some really beautiful pieces to it um one of the notes that i wanted to write about silences and terror and acts that hover over generations over centuries i began writing about my mother and my grandmother and so that's from note 18 and so there's 248 notes and so you sort of build your understanding uh as you read through this book it's uh i think it really gives us a different perspective about these individual topics and they're collective weight right you you see how i mean as a white person i might understand microaggressions to one degree but i i wouldn't understand the collective weight about what happens daily as those all sort of build to shape our our lives and our culture in our systems. So I think this is a really interesting book and a really inventive way to have or to spark those conversations.
0: I think across the board, uh, all three books that are going to be featured right here in this conversation do that. They sort of fundamentally challenge the viewpoint that we might have in regards to the status quo. And that includes David R. Sampson taking home the Balsillie Prize for Public Policy for his book, Our Tribal Future, How to Channel Our Foundational Human Instincts into a Force for Good. Karen, I've got to hold you to about a minute to 90 seconds on this one, but why is this one worth a read?
1: Well, I'm going to go back to the jury piece as well, because I think it really encapsulates. It says that David Sampson does something remarkable in this book. It's sparkling prose and richly empirical data. He provides a tour de force of our tribal brains and how they operate in the modern world. Things that were essential to our survival in the past are now potentially um, imperilous to our future. And so the important contribution of this book explains why trust is declining across our society. And I think that's a really important thing for us to understand and why our public spaces feel increasingly hostile. He delves into why we, uh, we end up in a tribal situation why that was important to us in sort of our early evolutionary history, and how it's navigated us into comple- increasingly complex social landscapes. Why are we so uh, angry at each other online? Why is that related to tribe? So you know we see this sort of um, the effects of tribal relationships in our news all the time. You know it's the it's the basis for war. It's the basis for uh, a lot of hate. Uh, but also, it can be the basis for really important things about altruism and community and kindness. And so, I think understanding our our innate, uh, you know, um, capacity for tribalism can really help us combat the bad effects that it can have in our in our society. I think it's a really important book for public policy and for folks who are, uh, you know, involved in. Uh, shaping our institutions and our culture.
0: Karen, thank you for this. That's Karen McKay, Communications Manager at the Centre for Equitable Library Access. That's all the time there is for the show this week until Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm Dave Brown, reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Let's wrap up the week of broadcasting by rolling those credits, gang.
2: Host, Dave Brown. Co-host producer, Alex Smythe. Sports reporter, Brock Richardson. Entertainment reporter, Laura Bain. Contributors, Ramia Muthun, Nisreen abdel Senior show producer, Andrika Delanero, Visual producer, Bruce Baclarian. Producers, Paul Daniel, Marianne Dion Jones, Bob Pagrak. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. TV producer, Mark Phoenix. Director, Anastasia Spalding-Stenhouse. Control room operators, Daniel Panamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby, Caitlin Robinson. Operations coordinator, Jordan Mulgrave. Manager of operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of live productions, Paula Dineen. Director of content development, Kara Nye. Vice president of programming, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington your feedback. one 509 4545 Copyright 2023. Accessible Media, Inc. An AMI original production.
0: Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv.